Yeah, I think that um, there's some scope for that. Um, for example, uh, we find in the sixth chapter of the Gita, which is about Dhyan Yoga, Dhyan mean, meaning meditation. Um, the chapter, of course, uh, is the uh, constitutes the end of a long discussion about yoga that began in the middle of the second chapter. And um, from the very onset in the middle of the second chapter to the end of the sixth chapter, um, in both ends of the extended discussion about yoga, we find that Krishna is emphasizing bhakti. Um, but in one sense, it's to be understood that that which is accomplished through other yogas is also accomplished through bhakti and more. And bhakti is a, a yoga. And so yoga, if we look at the yoga philosophy, uh, that's uh, articulated in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, It's one of the systems of the six ancient systems of philosophy in, in India, yoga. These philosophies, uh, six of them, they kind of go in pairs. So for example, uh, Vedanta and the Karma Mimamsa, they, they go together. Nyaya and Vaisheshya could go together and uh, yoga and sankhya go together. So, and we find the term sankhya in this middle, in these six chapters of the Gita that I'm referring to, where there's a discussion of yoga. Sometimes it's called the ladder of yoga. Um, with the beginning of that discussion, Krishna speaks about sankhya, and what he means by that is differentiating the atma from uh, material elements, which is the central focus of Sankhya philosophy. In the Sankhya philosophy, the atma is called a purusha, and then the material elements are called prakriti. Um, so having theoretically distinguished between the two, the purusha being the self and 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 uh, that which is worth realizing, Krishna then begins to speak about yoga, and he speaks about yoga as a means to attain realization of the Purusha or the Atma. And then, if you look back again at the classical philosophies of Sankhya and Yoga, which are kind of coupled together, as I mentioned, in the Sankhya philosophy, as I said, there is this whole counting, Sankhya means to count, uh, counting, analyzing, it means all the different ingredients and in the context of doing so, as I say, differentiating ultimately between that which constitutes Prakriti and that which constitutes Purusha, the inner self. When we come to the yoga philosophy, in the sutras of Patanjali, although it's a separate philosophy, 
from Sankhya philosophy. They're coupled together, they're very similar. And the Yoga Sutras, by contrast from the Sankhya text, is not so much about analyzing what is matter, what is spirit, but a practical how to realize the spirit. It's a very practical, hands-on. Uh, it's more of a more of a to use a Gaudiya term, more of an Abhideya text, a text about the means. Sankhya text being more about maybe like a conceptual orientation now how to realize the Purusha. Um, so we find a similar thing going on in the Gita, in the yoga section from chapter two to chapter six. Again, Krishna is speaking about the difference between Atma and Prakriti, between the self and matter. And then in the middle of that second chapter, he says, now let me teach you about yoga. And that's all about the means to realize the Atma. Ultimately, it's theistic, as uh, Sankhya philosophy is not particularly. So it's about realizing the Atma and its, and its source, the Godhead. Um, so uh, in this sense, then, bhakti is a type of, of yoga. And things that are mentioned with regard to nishkam karma yoga, jnana yoga, dhyana yoga, are uh, not uh, distinct entirely or irrelevant or um, uh, um, but rather are applicable to some extent to bhakti as a yoga. After all, yoga, it's about controlling the mind, controlling the senses, and so on and so forth. And so, as, for example, in the sixth chapter, certain setting is encouraged or advocated. One should sit not too high, not too low, um, in a quiet place, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, yes, a difference between yoga and jnana at schools of uh, transcendentalism and bhakti, in one sense, is the, the former two are about vairagya and being alone, getting away from the world. And bhakti is about sangha. We advance by sangha. One of the results of our advancement through sangha, through association, rather than being alone, is that vairagya or detachment comes naturally. If we cultivate detachment unto itself, then we're alone. But despite the fact that in bhakti, we advance through sangha, through association, and so forth. Still, we have our uh, practices of meditation. Smarnam is one of the important limbs of bhakti. In fact, in the Bhagavatam, there's really three and a half, I would say, of the principal angas of Vaidhi bhakti that are 
most rec- most stressed, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Smaranam, those mainly. And the half one is Archanam, hmm? serving the deity. Um, so Smaranam is, is, is very central to our practice. And also you can say particularly so with regard to the fact that our Sampradaya, our lineage is a Ragmarg lineage and Smarnam plays a significant role um, in the Ragmarg. Now it's thought that Kirtan, by hearing um, and then repeating Kirtan, um, the power of that Kirtan is such, especially in, in the Kali Yuga, that it will foster by its own strength meditation. It will, for example, cleanse the heart. Chaitya Dharpana Marjan will cleanse the heart. And to sit and meditate, well, you need a clean heart. It means you need a heart that's not full of all types of desires that will distract you hmm? um, when you're trying to concentrate, for example, on the name. And this is the first type of smarnam that we do, nam smarnam. From nam smarnam will result in guna smarnam and leela smarnam, rupa smarnam, nam, rupa, guna, leela, the name. Meditating on the name will foster meditation on the on the form of Krishna, rupa, and the qualities, the guna of Krishna and the leela of Krishna. And Parikar, the associates who are part of the Leela and so forth. How is that? Because in the name, the form, the root, the Leelas, the qualities are all are all present. So they should unfold, express themselves in our heart gradually as we learn to hear, meditate, do smarnam on the name. Now here I'm speaking about Nam Smarnam as opposed to Kirtan. So Nam Smarlan is to sit, right, and do the job of the name. That is an anga or a limb, a sublim. That Nam Smarnam, japa, the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, is a sublim of Smarnam. Um, and so to do Smarnam is to sit in a typical or classical yogic uh, type of a of a setting. Hmm? Uh, this is also discussed in in Vedanta Sutra. Malayas uh, Govinda Basha has uh, spoken about the uh, how to sit um, and um, so on and so forth. Um, so also we find in Hari Bhakti Vilas we find a recommendation to engage in pranayam before chanting one's mantra. Um, this is with regard more to um, the um, Diksha mantra, but it can apply to the Hare Krishna Nam mantra as well. So, uh, I mean, one doesn't have to do that, but it is recommended in Hari Bhakti Vilas. So we see in that sense, some incorporation of basic yogic sensibilities and techniques with regard to um, 
sitting and doing meditation, which I think it seems to be what you're um, referring to. So create a nice environment, quiet, peaceful. Um, um, you can you can do pranayama, <laughs> as they say, if you if you like. So there may be some things that, that can be incorporated in that way. Um, and uh, make your your japa, you know, it really is, you know, you have to think of it as I'm sitting down to meditate now, okay? The only difference in one sense is that you're meditating on the name and 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 your ideal uh, for uh, of attainment is uh, in relation to bhakti and and uh, lila seva, so on and so forth. But in the primary stages, your means to do that will be through the name. So you have to contemplate the mononym. Uh, it's also there. Contemplate the significance of the name, as I'm speaking a little bit about, in, within which, as I say, the rupa, the form, the guna, the qualities, the lila are all present and so on and so forth. Um, so there's some some scope uh, for that. And it's just kind of common sense. Um, unfortunately, uh, it seems many devotees don't think of their japa as, as one would think of, I'm gonna sit and meditate. There's, uh, of course, sitting is the is a recommended method um, or posture, I should say. But um, um, there have been, um, I know in, in, the, in Buddhist circles, they develop a, a kind of a walking meditation. And it might be somewhat relative to Western uh, practitioners and so forth. Um, but uh, it's possible to, to do so also. Walking, Prabhupada used to walk and do japa in his room. Um, uh, or on the back of his his um, veranda in Mayapur. I used to sit in the back there uh, on the floor where Prabhupada resided. It had a corridor around his quarters, veranda, and on the back side, it was very quiet. I never expected him to come out there, but he would come out <laughs> where he came out sometimes. And walked and chanted while I sat there. Sometimes he talked to me also. So um, at any rate, uh, yeah, I think that you can incorporate some of those sensibilities. I hope that answers your question. Hello? Hello? Yeah? Yeah? I can hear you. Okay. Um... Pamanava Swami, did you want to ask your other question from the Spanish side? I, I guess, let me say a little something else. What I was saying also is that the Yoga Sutra is so much about the means to attain the Atma, the Purusha, to realize. It's so much of a technique-oriented uh, discipline that it has, it lends itself to uh, being incorporated into the various disciplines. Therefore you have Gyan Yoga, therefore you have Dhyan Yoga, therefore you have Karma Yoga, therefore you have Bhakti Yoga, and so on and so forth. So 
yoga is a little bit uh, supple in that way, and 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 its its basic basic sensibilities are applicable in relation to different uh, transcendental paths that have slightly different goals within transcendence. I'm sorry. So, Arjun, you were saying. Yeah, um, Swami, would you like to ask that second question you have? For those who didn't hear the question, the question is, uh, I've been asked if I could say something about Raghunuga Bhakti. Um, Raghunuga Bhakti is mentioned in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. After Rupa Goswami describes Vaidhi Bhakti over many verses, he describes Raghunuga Bhakti as, as a practice. And um, he describes three uh, basic practices of Raghunuga Bhakti, hearing about the associates of, of, of Krishna in Braj, um, serving that ideal, both with one's practitioner's body, the external body, and also engaging in Lila Seva in an internal meditative form that corresponds with the um, associates of Krishna with whom one is identified, Madhuri Rasa associates or Sakya Rasa associates, for example. The practitioner's body is identified with associates of Gorlila and the internal. Uh, meditative swarup uh, is uh, focused on, on, on Krishna Lila. There will be a Gorlila swarup, that's another thing, but it will, which is also internal, but it will correspond more with how you appear in, as a sadhaka, because that is a Lila in which siddhas are playing the role of sadhakas. But um, the three things, again, are to hear about the associates and their leelas, and to to serve that ideal appropriately in the sadhakadeya and the siddhadeya. In the sadhakadeya, how will we serve that ideal? We will serve it by conducting ourselves in our practitioner's body in ways that are similar to that which was shown by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates um, and among them the Goswamis, Gabrindab and the six Goswamis in particular, who showed by their example a life of sadhana. Our Acharya, our Guru, also will carry that on, and there may be some uh, new details relative to the time and circumstance, but basically he or she will set an example for us. So we serve that ideal in our sadhakadeya, and of course, as we serve in the Sadakadeya and advance, then the prospect of serving in an in a internal meditative body will arise gradually in the higher stages of one's practicing, practicing life. Mm-hmm. So to hear about the associates, uh, to uh, serve in the practitioner's body, the ideal, 
of entering into service in the Leela in a particular um, rasa, like Sakya rasa or Madhurya rasa, and to serve in, internally in a meditative uh, swarup or form corresponding with those associates. And the third thing that he mentions is to engage in Vaidhi Bhakti. So what has been discussed in all of the verses preceding the discussion of Rag Bhakti versus concerning Vaidhi Bhakti, they're for the most part all applicable to Rag Bhakti, but they will be performed hearing, chanting, worshiping the deity, so on and so forth. They will be performed in Rag Bhakti with the Rag ideal in mind rather than a Vaidhi Bhakti ideal in mind. Typically, the Vaidhi Bhakti ideal is one of um, serving God at some distance or with uh, reverential love rather than love and intimacy. So with the, with the higher ideal that is so most perfectly exemplified in Braj, the Braj Leela, with the ideal of entering into that Leela, we will hear and chant and uh, do the practices of Vaidhi Bhakti, except for a couple of them that may not uh, that may be precisely uh, directed towards the Vaidhi Bhakti ideal, such as, for example, worshiping the queens of Dwarka. This is one of the angas of Bhakti. That we won't practice because we don't want to become a queen in Dwarka. Mm. Um, but most all of them are uh, applicable. So the difference then really is the is the motivation, is the ideal. Ultimately, rag bhakti is driven by taste rather than by, I should do this because if I don't, something bad will happen to me. I should do this because something good will happen to me. Fear or a prospect, fear of losing something or creating a negative situation for oneself or the prospect of attaining something. Um, Rag Bhakti is um, performed for love of Krishna. Yes, there's an attainment in that, but if we if we look at what we want to attain, it is selfless uh, um, service that uh, Prem is um, is constituted of. Um, and takes certain shapes, the shape of Sakya, the same shape of Madhurya, for example. But at its heart, it's it's a, a serving uh, disposition. So, so the motivation for Vaidhi Bhakti and Rag Bhakti are different. Again, Vaidhi Bhakti is motivated by, if I don't do this, this will be a problem. If I do do this, this would be a good. So there are scriptural do's and don'ts and regulations that, that drive one's Vaidhi Bhakti. And rag bhakti is driven by by taste for for the ideal, so it's 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 not so easy to do rag bhakti. You have to have a taste. However, at the same time, we are initiated in the Gaudi sampradaya into a rag mark sampradaya. We don't have vaikuntha as our, our our ideal. We have entering into the Krishna lila as our ideal. 
And that is the, again, the perfect example, that Leela of Rog, spontaneous devotion. Uh, the devotees don't see Krishna as really separate from themselves. They think that he's, he's theirs. It's not that he's God, he's over here, and I'm over here worshiping him. The distance between worshiped and worshiper is bridged by, by love. So there's a oneness. We think in Braj Bhakti, I'm a Braj Basi, Krishna's a Braj Basi. In Sakirasa, there's a sense of equality, for example, between Krishna and the devotee that you won't find in Vaikuntha's Dasya Rasa. So, um, so the ideal uh, is different, and, and we are initiated into a Sampradaya with that ideal. But we don't have a taste necessarily for that. Our, our taste maybe uh, ha has not fully awakened yet. So how can we do Raghunuga Bhakti? That may question may come. Well, sometimes um, Rupa Goswami gives a term, Ajata Ruchi Raghunuga Bhakti. So Rag Bhakti without taste, without Ruchi, without longing, driving the practice um, and, and, and that is for those who have come in touch with the Ragmarg lineage and sadhus um, with that, uh, of that ideal but they don't have the taste yet so they do Rupa Goswami they should do Vaidhi Bhakti with that ideal in mind and gradually they'll become more qualified for implementing all of the practices of Rag Bhakti as taste uh, develops. So that ajata ruchi raganuga bhakti is sometimes referred to as vaidhi bhakti also, but it's vaidhi bhakti with a different ideal in mind. Again, it's a, the ideal of becoming Krishna's friend, becoming the, the handmaiden of Radha as may be the case. So um, this is what our lineage is, is about, so, how, where we are, in all of that, in our progress, that we have to ascertain the help of Sadhu Sangha and apply ourselves accordingly uh, relative to the stage that we're at. Uh, it's, not, it's, it's a very high thing to enter into Leela Seva for Radha and Krishna. Um, someone asked me a question the other day that it's mentioned in an actor devotion that Krishna does not bestow bhakti very very um, readily and he couldn't understand that uh, looking carefully at that section it, it's really about the fact that the bhava bhakti is Krishna does not bestow very quickly he gives bhakti to bhakti is given to anybody and every, everybody reg, uh, without consideration of qualification but bhakti in the full sense of the term Mature bhakti, that's bhava bhakti. We're not only we're practicing with our senses, hearing, chanting, and so forth, as we do in sadhana bhakti, but that we're hearing and chanting, and that hearing and chanting is driven by spiritual emotion. So there's an active and an emotive component of bhakti. So when both are in place, that's in bhava bhakti. Then you can say, oh, he's got bhakti, she's got bhakti. In the full sense of the term. So Krishna does not give bhava bhakti 
very, very easily. It is sudurlaba. He doesn't give it to those who are in anishta bhajana kriya. He gives it once you've attained asakti and your practice is with attachment. Then he will give bhava. Uh, so, so gradually we qualify ourselves in the context of um, our rag mark sampradaya and um, internal meditation, for example, on, on the Leela Seva will um, um, be one of the practices. Often that's focused on as the um, what rag bhakti is about. It's an aspect of rag bhakti and it's central and it's important. Um, but how effectively one can do that uh, depends on the measure of their taste and the purity of their heart and so on and so forth. So that's an overview. Rag bhakti, hope it's helpful. Okay. Um... Dulal Chandra, you want to ask your question? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, good morning. Um, we're following the path of Raganuga Bhakti, and our main Shastra is Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, Rag means to follow, and we certainly in the Bhagavatam from the 10th canto get a lot of. Uh, insight into the the emotional component but also raganuga denotes following a ragatmika now we have a couple examples of gopas in raj appearing in the narration but there's no gopis or manjaris so i just thought that you would could kindly elaborate on that and also point us as to where in the Shastra those specifics are provided independent of the commentaries of the seven Acharyas of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Okay, yeah. So Dulal is, is asking about the fact that rag means attachment and anuga means to follow. So rag anuga to follow the way of attachment. And it means to follow the way uh, of the devotees in Braj who are attached uh, to Krishna in an extraordinary uh, manner, just like someone is attached to material things and thinks they're, they're his or hers. And uh, just like you're attached to your body to be as attached to Krishna. <laughs> Uh, so you have some way to measure there your advancement. Um, uh, so uh, those devotees, while the practitioners are called rag anuga, followers of the rag, they're following the rag atmikas who have rag that is atmika that is inherent in their being. I believe Vishwamitra refers to their attachment as um, anadi siddha samskars. They have anadi siddha samskars. They have 
um, beginningless, perfect impressions that drive them for loving Krishna. These are um, the associates of Krishna in different rasas. And so when we follow Rag, well, we want to serve Krishna like one of them serves Krishna, like Yashoda would be an example in Vatsalya Rasa. As Dulal Chandra has said, some of the names of the Sakas um, have been mentioned in the Bhagavatam, Subal, Sridham, um, and so forth. There's a couple, two, three, four verses in the 10th canto. Um, we hear about them. Um, um, and so the question is, well, there's also a, and this is the prominent ideal within Gaudiya Vaishnavism, uh, Madhurya Rasa and a particular kind of Madhurya Rasa. And that is the type of Madhurya Rasa that involves serving Radha. Hmm? So a handmaiden of Radha, sometimes referred to as Manjari Bhav. Radha being like the like the vine and the manjaris being like the like the blossoms. When the vine is nourished, the blossoms are nourished. Um, so it's a particular type of rag bhakti that's emphasized um, in the particular type of Madhurya Rasa in Rag Bhakti. And Dulal's question is is is, is well taken. Who are the who are the Raigatmikas that we will follow? Indeed, even Radha's name is not directly mentioned in the Bhagavatam. Right? So, and that's our main text. Uh, sure, the Goswamis have written commentaries on the Bhagavatam, and they have filled in the details, but are there any other core texts of Eastern Revelation or Bhakti Shastras outside of the Bhagavatam, where we can find reference to such uh, persons, which in effect would support uh, from Shastra the insights that the Goswamis share with regard to those details, uh, you know, mentioning of Tulsi Manjari, of, of Radha, of, you know, the competitor Chandravali, um, Lalita, Vishaka, and so forth. Again, these names are not there in the Bhagavatam, but they're there in the in the works of the Goswamis in their own texts, their own Lila Grantas, their own books, where they have expressed their feelings in a Lila narrative or in their commentaries on the Bhagavatam. So let's, we could start with Radha, of course. Uh, she is mentioned, or let's say a special gopi is mentioned in the Gopal Tapa Upanishad. There she is named Gandharvika. So the fact that there is a special gopi who's, who, who is uh, particularly um, capable of capturing Krishna's attention is uh, pointed out. So there is such a gopi amongst many. Um, and, and this is thought to be Radha's Shruti name, uh, you know, Upanishadic name, Gandharvika. Um, 
there's also a text um, that is attached to the Shiva Purana called the Snat Kumara Samhita. There in the Snat Kumara Samhita, we find the ideal of Manjari Bhava mentioned. And uh, I'm not sure if there are any names there, but that whole concept is found there. It's thought in Gaudiya Sampradaya as posited by Kavikarnapur in his Gorgonadesh Deepika that Sanatana Goswami, um, that Sanat Kumar par- partially uh, is uh, present, was present in Sanatana Goswami. Um, so the connection between Sanatana Goswami, the elder of the Goswamis, the leader in that sense, in Gorlila and Sanat Kumar Samhita and Goswamis have drawn from there um, the, um, the practice of Raghunuga Bhakti and so forth. Now, if you go to Padma Purana, then you'll find names of gopis there. There you'll find uh, the, the, the Astasaki's names. You'll, you will find it also in other prana, the term Dwadasa Gopal, which refers to the 12th principle. Gopal has its origins in, in uh, one of the puranas, I forget. I've cited it in my book. I forget which one. Um, that's Sakiras. Your question is more about Madhuri Ras. So there, in, yeah, you can find it in Padma Purana, perhaps also in Vishnu Purana, where there are some Krishna Leela narratives and so forth. There are also tantric texts like uh, Gotamiya Tantra. So you, you can find names there and so forth. So there is some support from those larger uh, texts. Uh, does that answer your question? Yes. Uh, I just, uh, do you have any comments regarding the it's, it just seems a curiosity that the Bhagavatam, which is our main support, uh, nothing is mentioned there when it comes to the specifics. Do you have any? Yes, well, yeah, one, one comment about that is that uh, while other texts mention specifics in terms of names of Ragatmikas and so forth, associates of Krishna, uh, they're, they're giving those details. The Bhagavatam is 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 giving the feeling. The feeling it's expressing it's 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 focused on expressing the feelings of Saki, the feelings of Madhurya, the feelings of Vatsalya, in ways that the Vishnu Purana, Padma Purana, they're definitely not doing. Even the tantras I mentioned and so forth. So the Bhagavatam is a, is, is therefore it's a Ras Shastra, unlike these others, and it's thought that. Uh, the absorption of Sana of Sukadeva Goswami in the Leela was such that he didn't have time for going into details of mentioning the names. Hmm? Uh, too preoccupied with uh, pursuing and seeking to express, um, and thereby give access to to the feelings. I know, so it doesn't seem like a, I know it doesn't seem like a detail. <laughs> who, who, who are the Rigatmikas? It seems pretty important. 
and and it and it is no doubt. But um, fortunately, we have the Goswamis to 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 fill that in in their commentaries and their 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 books in no uncertain terms. So after all, you know, our whole understanding of the Bhagavatam is an interpretation of the text on the part of the Goswamis. So while the Bhagavatam is our principal pramana, as Jiva Goswami has demonstrated in Tattva Sandarva, we see that the Bhagavatam is the mature work of Vyas around which the other texts orbit, so to speak, and in context in relation to their, their, their statements are understood in context. So the Bhagavatam is our main pramana, but the Goswami's books are even more our main pramana in Chaitanya Charitamrita more our main pramana because they are showing us a particular angle of angle on the Bhagavatam that, that constitutes Gaudiya Vaishnavism, which is that um, gives that access in into the into a specific uh, prakash or window section of the of the Leela. So what else? We have a little more time. Thank you for the question. Um, I have a question um, regarding um, when Lord Chaitanya was doing his bhajan in the, the Gambira, we understood that um, it wouldn't have been compatible for Gadadhar to be there with him because he was, Lord Chaitanya was trying to understand the Bhava of Radha and enter into that. And Gadadhar would have been a because he was Radha, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been compatible. So he had um, Swoop Damodar and Ramananda Roy, who were Sakis, uh, Lalita and Vishaka, come and help him to go deeper into that mood. And my question is why he didn't have the Manjaris like Rupa Goswami assisting him since they actually are privy to more confidential aspects of um, Radhabhav. Well, it's true in one sense that the Manjaris have access to Radha and Krishna in their union to an extent that others do not, including Lalita, Vishaka, um, and so forth. And that is a speciality of their power. Um, but while Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, through his dispensation, is making access to Manjari Bhav available. He himself is not trying to attain Manjari Bhav. He's not trying to attain Radha Dasyam. He's trying to just attain the Bhav of Radha. Now Radha Dasyam is a way of speaking about, about uh, Manjari Bhav. And it's it's thought to be a way in which one can come as close to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself in his pursuit of Radha Bhav, because Manjaris they serve Radha, and by extension, 
they experience our bhava. Let's say, for example, in intimacy with uh, with Krishna, um, um, there are some love marks that show up on the body of Radha, where they may show up on the bodies of the manjaris also. So, by extension, it's kind of like the stigmatica uh, understanding in, within Catholicism that some uh, saints become so absorbed in the meditation on Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ on the, on the cross, that they get the symptoms of his uh, wounds appear on their bodies. So something similar like this uh, for the Manjaris. They're so absorbed. So they, they're, they, they are coming as close to the bhava of Radha. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was personally trying to experience. So he's not trying to attain Manjari Bhav himself. There is a place in Chaitanya Charitamrita where he's thought uh, to have um, have tasted it for a moment. I believe in relation to the seeing the, the sand dune in, in, in Jagannath Puri and mistaking it or understanding it to be Govardhan Hill and running after it and he went into a trance. And then he was asked by the Sakis to serve in an assisting role, perhaps bringing flowers or something like that. So it, it's sometimes construed by some to say, here, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for a moment, also tastes Manjari Bhav. But that was not the ideal, per se, that he was pursuing. So Lalita, Vishaka, their Parama, Presta, Sakis, they're the leaders. Hmm? of the Manjaris, Raghunath Das Goswami, follower of Vishaka, um, uh, Rupa Goswami, follower of Lalita. Hmm. So these are the main two, Lalita Vishaka, over the group of Manjaris hmm, that Rupa, Sanatan, our six Goswamis uh, come within. And, um, and they are thought to be um, Present in Gorlila, as you mentioned, as Rupdamadar and and um, um, Ramananda Roy. Um, so I think that there are ways in which uh, they'd be more suited, suited to help Mahaprabhu in his pursuit. On the one hand, and on the other hand, I I I believe that. Um, Mahaprabhu commissioned the Goswamis for something um, else that occupied them entirely, which is so relative to ourselves. In other words, they were particularly told, Rupsanatan, by Mahaprabhu to go to Vrindavan, to stay there. And um, they were very much uh, exhibiting Dasya Baba for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was their, was their guru, so to speak. Right, guru figure as he is for us, uh, he and Nityananda Prabhu. So they went to Vrindavan there, they wrote there, they excavated the places of Krishna's pastime, they established uh, deity worship and so on and so forth. This is what they were instructed to do. So they were doing what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told them to do, serving. And yes, uh, Rupa Goswami came to Puri once, and I, I forget exactly the circumstances that allowed him to come. Um, Sanatan came once, I believe. 
Raghunath Das was stationed there for some time until Chaitanya Mahaprabhu disappeared. That's true. But he was a servant of Lalita Saki. So he took his place uh, always under her, under Srupadamadar's uh, guidance. So in the context of Gorlila, I don't think it, uh, it, it, it uh, um, they had other things, I want to say, to do that Mahaprabhu personally asked them to. And they're so relevant to us setting an example. We don't find that same kind of example for sadhana for, uh, uh, in uh, Ramananda Roy. You can't follow the way he does or Srupadamana Srup either. At least there's no description. Um, but in the life of the Goswamis, there is. So Mahaprabhu gave his manjaris to us. <laughs> and he stayed in the company of Ramananda and uh, and Surabhadamadar in the end. Nice, thank you. That was very helpful. Do you have time for one okay. more question? I do. Uh, yes, I do. Indra, do you want to ask your question? Um, so my question is kind of like a follow-up question to the um, Raga Bhakti question we had earlier, like the first one. Can you speak a little louder? Yeah. Can you hear me now better? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Um, so I hope it's not kind of like silly to ask it. Um, like I'm not on the stage, but I still want to hear your opinion. And also I have to say, I haven't read your book, Oh My Friend, yet. So maybe it's already answered there. So my question is about uh, the guru and like usually um, like the guru is like kind of like a transparent medium between like no, I mean, that's sometimes how it, how, how I heard it, at least, yeah. uh, you know, you have the yeah. disciple and then you have Krishna. And, um, but then I was thinking, you know, and it's also said, you know, it's forbidden to have a material conception of the guru. But then I was kind of thinking like, okay, but like, um, like in this case, you, like you are, you are like a person, no, like <laughs> you have, um, like your spiritual, you know, uh, personhood and everything. So I was kind of wondering like two questions. Um, um, yeah, how to say that? Um, so, sh shall like okay. So my first question is like, if you could put it in like a percentage during the day, like should I think like fifty percent of Krishna and fifty percent of the Guru, or can I also think of you together, <laughs> or is this already like Sahajya or you know? So I I, sh I think about Krishna, like Krishna in Vrindavan, um, but then I kind of think okay, maybe I have to think more about you in this case so i don't know i hope it's not silly thank you yeah you should think 100 percent about christian and 100 percent about the guru <laughs> they go together um i think that um that the guru teaches uh us to think about krishna the guru gives us krishna and so krishna is the gift and the guru is the giver so which is more important, the gift of the giver? Uh, in one sense, we think that the, the giver is more important. That was the, the opinion of Pujapati uh, Sridhar Maharaj. Of course, he spoke of it in relation to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who was the macrocosmic guru for our Sampradaya. And he gave Krishna. Um, so we put more emphasis on him. Um, the guru is is thought to be the local kind of representation of Krishna, and um, it's easier 
in one sense, perhaps to put our focus on the, on the guru, but it depends. Uh, if we live with the guru, well, you'll probably be pretty focused on, on the guru. Not everybody has the opportunity to do that, nor does the guru have the capacity to live with everybody, I guess. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, um, still, uh, he or she is, is, is uh, we, we hear, you know, we hear from me here, for example, so forth. So um, uh, I understand your question and, um, and, and I think that rather than some formula, you should do what's, uh, what works best for you in either, in either case. Um, and if you're thinking about the guru or you're thinking about the Krishna, you're right in, in either, either instance at any given, given time. Um, I meditate on, on, of course, the Prabhupada has his internal form, he has his external form, and then there's, then there's Krishna, and then there's the associates of Krishna that are uh, Nichiparikars, eternal associates that Prabhupada himself is, is following. In Raghavakti, there's, there's the following of, for example, let's, let's take, uh, uh, in Sakura, say, let's Subal, and I will serve him and my guru in a suitable form and through them serve Krishna. And sometimes they may give me direct service to Krishna in the context of the rasa. Um, so in that sense, we see that the guru is, is eternal. He's present in the Leela also, he or she. So, uh, there's whatever works for you, whatever is more natural, um, will you know, will will uh, be fine. Um, you're not doing anything wrong if you're focusing on the guru. You're not doing anything wrong. You're focusing on Krishna, which he told you to do. Hmm? So, does that help? Yes, thank you. That makes me happy. <laughs> but Krishna is also a person. You say that the guru is a person, so. <laughs> but Krishna is more of a theological person, I think, is what you mean at this stage of your practice. You haven't met him personally yet. Hmm? You've met someone who represents him, and, and that's very compelling and, and, uh, and uh, profound for you, understandably. And, um, and in this case, uh, he is, you know, more than a theological person, a real person, right? So um, it may be easier to 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 think of him um, than Krishna, who's a theological person. But you also meet Krishna as you advance, and a theological person will become so much a real person that your own sense of personhood, based on your material attachments, will can totally um, be deconstructed or um, what's the word um, uh, disintegrate. So you know, to, to meet Krishna as a, make him more than a theological person, a real person, the process involves on the one hand, dismantling and separating oneself from the false sense 
of personhood um, that um, we're preoccupied with. Anyway, that's a little bit of an aside, but Shri Guru, Shri Krishna, both good. Jai, Jai Gaur Gadadhar, Jai Guru Gauranga, Gaur Nityananda, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda, Hari Hari Boho. <laughs> nice to be with all of you. It's, you're very kind to me to give an opportunity to have these talks and 